Hello and welcome to Podcast Industry Experts, your monthly slice of podcast industry news served with a side of expert opinions. I'm Matthew Stevens, the head of marketing and content strategy here at Queued Up Audio. And I'm John Luckenbaugh, the lead audio engineer and owner of Queued Up Audio. Together, we're your podcast industry experts. On the first Friday of every month, we'll be breaking down what the latest podcast news actually means for podcasters and talking shop with other podcast industry experts. From current events to the latest statistics and everything in between. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Podcast Industry Experts. This is episode number five for March of 2022. John, how are you doing? Matt, I can't complain. It's It's been a relatively good opening of 2022 for us here. A lot better than the, uh, the hellish couple of weeks Spotify has had, right? With uh, <laughs> controversies over Joe Rogan's misinformation, high-profile boycotts, social media backlash, their price share drop. It's really brought on questions on their uh, ability to continue its fast growth. But I'm not sure it's all bad either. Or is it? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking a little about Spotify, which has been in the news recently, as you mentioned, for all those not so great reasons, as well as Spotify is slinging around some money like nobody's business, like they have been for years now. They acquired Podsites and Chartable uh, most recently, as well as, yeah, the, their growth, uh, that celebrity boycotts, their Joe Rogan issue, a ton of different things are going on over there. So Spotify is keeping busy. Uh, <laughs> I, I cannot imagine those people are are taking a break right now or, or going on vacation. So uh, a lot of big news in podcasting over the last two months, really. So some of the things I think we should get into today, Matt, is, of course, the, the background and the deal with uh, Chartable and pod sites, but also where podcasts as an industry stands, how it affects the independent podcaster and what it means for the future of podcasting. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, Let's start off, as you mentioned, with some of Spotify's background, some of the things they've been going through recently. For those that have been living under the rock, they've really been on a a shopping spree, I guess you can call it. Advertising technology, audiobooks, top creative talent. For example, they've bought Wooshka, Pods, Findaway, Locker Room, Megaphone, and top talent like... uh, well, I don't know if you consider Joe Rogan top talent, but Joe Rogan, Gimlet, Parcast, The Ringer, to only name a few. They've spent over $1 billion now on podcasts, but I, I guess you could say it's proved some success. As a revenue from podcasts, it's up 627%. So it's, I'd say that's money well spent. <laughs> yeah, n- not too bad at all. And obviously, if you want to hear about all of those, uh, or at least some of those moves, go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes of Podcast Industry Experts, as well as the first season of the Queued Up podcast on podcasting, we touched on a lot of those things as they happened in real time. And uh, John, uh, not to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, but uh, I'm going to pat myself on the back. We were right about quite a few things about some of the things that that Spotify has done, the moves they've been making, more importantly, the lack of moves the rest of the industry has been making. But 
absolutely Spotify is throwing money down like crazy, more than a billion dollars into their podcast division in some form. And certainly they're seeing the growth for it, as you mentioned, 627%. But that doesn't come without some headaches, does it? <laughs> it's crazy, Matt, because I mean, you see they're putting all this money into podcasts. And really, I mean, I don't know if you're a Neil Young fan. I am. I, I do not really listen to Neil Young. Sorry, Neil Young fans. <laughs> I think that choice is really simple. If you really look at it, Matt, music doesn't hold a candle to original audio content like podcasts. With music, you know, Spotify doesn't own music catalogs, and it's entirely dependent on record labels. Choosing podcasts, which Spotify obviously obviously has done, they're investing in their own content, and they're really going to generate more profit because of it. Yes, it's created a, some sort of a headache for them, I guess you could say, but really, was there any other decision to make? I think you're right. I mean, there are certainly tons of streaming services out there for music, but there's not a lot of major players in podcasting. And when you consider advertising on spoken word audio for podcasting alone is, is about 2.7 billion, according to eMarketer by 2025. So we're looking at, you know, again, this is a billion dollar industry, a several billion dollar industry. Spotify is definitely betting on the long term of that for sure. Uh, and it seems like they are a-okay letting people, uh, artists like uh, Neil Young, kind of leave the service if it if it means they're going to be able to tap into that $2.7 billion at some point. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you can find Neil Young songs on YouTube, on Amazon, on Pandora, or wherever you listen to music. But if you have your original audio content, if they're trying to build this walled garden, which we'll get to that later, you can only listen to Joe Rogan on Spotify, much like you can only watch House of Cards on Netflix or these other streaming services, they're premium content that are only on those services. That's why you need to have Amazon Prime and you need to have Netflix. You need to have Hulu. You need to have. <laughs> it just makes sense. Yeah. I think it's important that as we start to look at Spotify and throughout all of this, my personal take on this is that Spotify has to be classified in one of two ways. They're specifically like Netflix in that they're a content creation company. Either we are a media company at this point, we create original content for, for audiences, and then that is, you have to judge all their moves by that, which Spotify has repeatedly come out, to, uh, Daniel Eck, the CEO, has repeatedly come out and said, we're not a content creation company. Please do not call us that because there's certain regulations they're going to have to find. There, there are a lot more moral issues that come into a lot of the stuff they've been doing. What I classify them as, and what I think we should start classifying them as, is an ad network. That's really all they are. They're a lot like Facebook in that, sure, you can go see Nana, you can, you can get her chocolate chip cookie recipe, mm, brought it into another podcast. <laughs> but uh, you, know, you, you can talk to friends and family and all that stuff. All of that is just layers on top of, let's sell ads. And Spotify has been very quickly going to that model of, we're just trying to sell ads. We want as many people on our platform as possible. We don't care if they're paid or not paid. More specifically, we hope they're not paid. So that way we can go ahead and gain more and more and more money and just become a giant ad network. You've seen it. They've opened up their, their ad network to individuals. Uh, we've used it for clients. We, we've had other clients that have used it previously on their own. And then we're starting to see that stuff really expand with these moves that they're making with Chartable and with pod sites specifically, strengthening that ad network, giving that a little bit more weight so that way advertisers feel better about dumping those $2.7 billion into Spotify. 
Yeah, that's the truth. If you look at all the moves based on that, it makes sense. Spotify's going, bye-bye. We don't care about Neil Young. He doesn't bring us money like advertising does. We could lose all of our streaming audio. We don't care. We'll become a podcast network. Give us those ad dollars, baby. This deal, like you said, it, it does provide the tools that would make it easier for publishers to gather audience insights and really use that to grow their audience and business. So both Chartable and Pod Sites they offer insights that dive into the effectiveness of podcast advertising and listener engagement, where they both allow podcasters and networks to include, I guess you could say, tags in their shows that are used to track who listened, if they heard an ad, and whether they took action upon hearing it. It has a lot of the back end to really know what's going on. And that's it. I mean, uh, Spotify, in their discussion about this, in their little press release, said, Measurement and attribution remain the two biggest unsolved challenges for podcast advertisers. As a part of Spotify, pod sites will be able to utilize Spotify's technology and intelligence to bring more accurate measurement and actionable insights to podcast advertisers around the world. To parse that out a little bit more uh, and, and take out the PR statement, basically Spotify is having trouble saying, hey, we can guarantee your stuff's going on podcasts, on certain podcasts. Uh, we're, we're having trouble being able to prove the ROI of that. So how do you track back a podcast listener who heard your ad into someone who paid money, which is really, if you're an advertiser, that, that's what I want to know. What are my ad dollars actually getting me? And as of right now, a lot of it is pretty much either just subscribers or you see jumps up in stuff. But if you're doing multiple ad campaigns on multiple different ways, it's impossible to really measure that as accurately as you'd like to. When it comes to ad executives, they want to be able to prove those things as much as humanly possible. Now, granted, can't do that in a lot of other ways, but we're in the internet world where, again, if we're, if we're going to compare it to Facebook, Facebook can track, or at least could track, exactly where you were, exactly what you've done, exactly what happened, who exactly you are, from down to a weird degree that they should not be able to know. Advertisers want Spotify to be able to do that. And, and if advertising and podcasts is going to get to that point like it is with Facebook, then those types of things are going to have to happen. Whether that's good or bad is up to the individual, but uh, certainly that seems to be what Spotify is pushing toward themselves. Now, the pod site technology, Spotify plans to use that outside of podcasting as well on its entire platform, which includes its audio ads within music, video ads, and also their display ads. So it's not just for podcasters in general. So that's kind of cool that you can use it for their, their whole platform. Turbo, on the other hand, that seems to be more directed towards podcasters themselves rather than advertisers, particularly because of its technology like smart links. They're the trackable URLs that let creators know how listeners found a podcast and whether the marketing message that got them there was effective, which those trackable URLs, that also calls into the question of privacy concerns with their collection of IP addresses and user information. But we'll get to that later. So keep listening. <laughs> Absolutely. What they specifically said about Chartable is, quote unquote, uh, with the acquisition of Chartable, we will be further enhancing Megaphone's suite of tools with the integration of Chartable's audience insights and cutting edge promotional tools, smart links and smart promos. So pretty much just trying to make Megaphone a, a place that networks want to be, uh, which is certainly how Megaphone has positioned themselves in recent years is not necessarily for the independent podcaster as much as it is for the major networks the ones that have multiple shows, the ones that do a lot of monetization, those types of things. If you're an independent podcaster, it's typically, I believe, at least had to 
contact Megaphone to just get approved to even see if they would let you on their platform, much less actually being able to get through all that process. Chartable is only going to be available to Megaphone users? Is that what you're seeing, Matt? That's what they said. Mm. Uh, Well, let me revise that. They don't necessarily say that it's only going on Megaphone, but they don't mention any of their other services. They don't mention Anchor. They don't mention Wooshka uh, in that regard. So it, it is interesting to see exactly where they're going to go with it. So that's kind of funny, right? I mean, I guess you could say who uses Megaphone? Really, that's kind of like the, the big hats in the industry, right? Yep. And that kind of lines up with Chartable's own client list that they're bringing into Spotify. Things like uh, Vox Media, iHeart Media, Wondery. Cadence 13, among a bunch of others. Yeah, the Locked On Network was was using it when I was there. So yeah, it's it's definitely, if you're a network, chances are you've at least thought about Megaphone. They're, they're in the very few that you're, you're looking at. Uh, whereas something like Anchor is really for the independent podcaster. Obviously, it's free and things like that make it a little bit easier. But uh, it, it does not seem like Spotify, despite owning all of these things, does not seem like they're going to integrate them all together in a way that maybe I thought they were going to do where you're going to kind of you're going to create one hosting company one thing that you can then do it really seems like they're keeping them separate which I'm sure they they have their reasons for but uh it is interesting to see that they're specifically pushing stuff to megaphone and they're not mentioning any of it going to to anchor so if you're an independent podcaster you might be out of luck <laughs> going over that list again of charitable companies that are now going to be within Spotify's viewing, I guess you could say, they're going to be able to view shows that aren't Spotify exclusive. That could be a detriment, right? Yeah. To see outside of their walled garden. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly going to be interesting. And there are reasonable questions on, you know, it, it might be a slippery slope type of argument, but a lot of people are wondering, you know, Spotify owns this stuff. How accurate can that data actually be? Is Spotify going to maybe put their hand on the weight a little, you know, on, on the, the scale a little bit and push stuff their way intentionally, not intentionally? What are we going to see? Are we going to start seeing podcasts hosted by other places not be as not have as high of a stat? So does that mean Joe Rogan's going to get 10 times the amount of listeners? Uh... You know, I, who knows, John? <laughs> who knows? Uh, I'm sure at this point he probably could use the help. Let's go into what pod sites and Chartable do for the people that are not accustomed to those two services. And I think a lot of independent podcasters have heard of them before, but maybe don't necessarily use them. So PodSites helps advertisers find the right podcasts for their needs. So they can search by audience demographics, audience overlap, categories, so on and so forth. Then they allow you to help create your advertising campaign. So plan out your advertising campaign and then estimate how successful your campaign will be uh, based on the data that they have. And then attribution, so real-time reporting on advertisers' campaigns, and then that important part, which is prove ROI by linking users to actions. That's kind of its thing. And it's, I think, more high end than where Chartable is. Chartable's about analytics. So get the IAB certified stats. For those people on Anchor, makes a ton of sense. They are IAB certified, and I personally can't trust them as far as I can throw them in terms of the stats. We've seen some wonky results that suddenly decrease by a lot if they go to an IAB certified host. So that's helpful to have. Chartwatch find out if where your podcast appears on top charts on Spotify and Apple. Attribution, so smaller version of kind of what PodSites has on that front. And then promotion, those smart links, which are the shareable trackable links, kind of like a link tree type of a thing where you can you can see where is my link getting clicked on, 
How is it getting clicked on? Where are those people coming from? Where are they going? And then smart promos, so track the impact of cross-promotion and podcast ads. So huge things. Again, pod sites maybe more for the network, more for the large advertiser. Chartable has typically been what we've seen a lot of independent podcasters use just to figure out where they actually are in the grand scheme of things. It can be a little tough to go ahead and measure where you are in the ocean of two plus million podcasts. Number one, an Antarctica, Matt. That's where we are. <laughs> so Matt, I know you've grown really frustrated with Spotify's lack of targeting podcasters only for setting up ad buys and stuff. So I, I assume these two deals are really going to help that. I would think so. I mean, I, I'll say this. When I talked to someone over at Spotify about setting up our own accounts and doing some things like that, I was told podcast advertising on podcast was coming soon. Uh, to date, it has not come. Um, hmm. So yeah, I, I absolutely think that this is part of that is because it's not something that's hosted directly on their platform, it's hosted in other places. Things like pod sites and Chartable allows you to be able to get those insights in a way that maybe you weren't able to do previously. We'll see how they incorporate them in overall, but I can absolutely see this being the building block necessary to ensure that, that podcasters could advertise on other podcasts through Spotify specifically. Again, going that Facebook route of being able to, to go on things that maybe aren't entirely hosted on their site. So Matt, the real opportunity, as you've already suggested then for Spotify, was ad revenue, right? Yes. So then with these latest acquisitions, who should be the most concerned within the podcast industry? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think everyone should be a little bit concerned. For a great look at this, go to soundsprofitable.com, Brian Barletter. We've had him on the show, I think, episode one of this season. So he mentioned a few different things, uh, one of them being that even if pod sites and Chartable remain completely independent, they are incorporating Spotify data into this, uh, into their metrics, and they're not getting them necessarily from other podcast apps. So naturally, all of Chartable and pod sites data sets are going to be leaning towards Spotify users. That's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it is potential for data to get screwed up, for things to not be quite as accurate unless you plan on going solely on Spotify. How much will that be impacted? Uh, how much will that stuff uh, play out? We're not entirely sure, uh, which is really the scary part about it all. There are not a lot of other services that do this, so kind of don't have much of an option. So that's a little concerning on that front. In addition to that, it, I think it's also concerning for a lot of people who want podcasting to remain independent that Spotify is buying up anyone and everyone they possibly can, basically crushing their competition. While we watch companies like Apple and, and Google Podcasts and all these other places kind of just go, eh, they're not really fighting too hard about it. It seems like they're acquiescing to, to Spotify being the big dog and just going, that's fine. You guys can be that. Which is concerning because whenever we see that, I mean, Google for, for AdWords being a great example, Facebook being another great example, once you have that walled garden completely built up and that data is completely reserved for them, we're at the whims of Spotify when it comes to podcast advertising. We're at the whims of Facebook and Google for SEO, for that example. If they change their algorithm, you're suddenly screwed as a podcaster, as an advertiser, at everything. Uh, and we see that so often in, in tech right now, especially. So really concerning for the future and for the independence of everything if Spotify decides to be evil. And what do you do if you're a big network? Do you build your own trackers now? 
Do they trust Spotify to protect their data from Spotify's own publishing teams? You know, there's a question of how much Spotify will lock this tech down to its own platform, like you said, creating that walled garden. I look at YouTube for this. Um, yes. YouTube is, has been going through this for years, where they're the only real video platform out there, especially for independents. And we've seen networks start up on them. And those networks, when there is an algorithm change, suddenly die. We've seen the same thing on Facebook. Uh, I was recently reading an article, I can't remember where it was from, but basically somebody was talking about how they had built up a company to being you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, employing a, a hundred people. And then overnight, an algorithm changed and they're worth nothing. The company was basically sold for a fraction of its value and they had to fire a bunch of people because they were not getting the same views they were. They were not getting the same ad dollars they were. So I think what we're going to see from this, if we go off of those two things, Facebook and and YouTube, we're going to see networks have to just deal with it and then try to expand, try to bring them into your own ecosystem through things like Patreon, through having your own website and being able to host your own streaming uh, service. Rooster Teeth does a great job of this, despite being primarily YouTube-based. They have their own website with their own streaming. They're building their own things because, hey, we got to pull people off of YouTube. That, that's how we can get our big audience but we need to have something to fall back on in case YouTube decides to be funky. I think we're going to have to see a lot more of that until other services pop up and do what Podsites and Chartable did, if they ever do that. And then naturally, you know, if an Apple, if a Google, if Amazon, if any of these other companies want to get into it, then those new companies are suddenly going to be fodder where, hey, are you going to be able to hold out when someone's dangling $100 million in front of you? Probably not. If you're a developer out there, I might start <laughs> creating a company if you really want to get rich fast. You start creating an attribution company uh, for podcast insights. Within a few years, chances are you're going to be doing okay. So, But that's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to look into the future and see how hard Spotify is going to continue to go. One of the things that we've seen over the last year, we, we were talking about this before recording here, Matt, was how the landscape has changed where maybe a year ago we were saying, you know, Apple, how they can compete with Spotify. and you know, where's Google going to be? Where's Amazon going to be? Really the main competitor, it seems, going forward for podcasts may very well be YouTube. One of the opinions that I, I really liked was uh, Asher Carmen, who is the writer for the Hot Pods newsletter. She said this whole acquisition is actually about competing with YouTube. She said Spotify wants to compete with YouTube and YouTube is a creator's platform. That's where people go to upload the video, which you know, it makes sense because Spotify is also in the midst of a mass rollout of video podcasts. I mean, maybe they are trying to do both the ad platform and a creator platform. Yes, like you mentioned, there's a lot of other hurdles that they're going to have to go through if they become a creator's platform, but they're really going to be the one-stop shop for podcasts. They have control of the whole supply chain yeah. for doing a podcast. And that's really the concern. I mean, once you own everything in a user's journey from hosting all the way through distribution, it becomes impossible to leave. And that's what we see in tech all the time is it becomes impossible to leave. Those companies explode. But then what we also see with that is those companies tend to be about the bottom line. So we see them do shady things. We see them not care about uh, putting out correct information. We see them being willing to shun anyone who, who fights back against it. And hint, hint, that's exactly what we were just talking about with Spotify. Joe Rogan's issues with misinformation, agree with him, disagree with him, doesn't really matter. That was a major issue. 
that they had to go through. And they sat on the fence pretty hard on it. They both said, ah, it's it's awful, slash, we're not going to touch it. Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, right? Yes, she also yes. left. So we're seeing a, exactly the same type of thing of, oh, if you don't like it, well, then leave. We're seeing this, that walled garden turn into exactly what everyone expected it to be with Spotify. And that's scary for the future. But YouTube's the same way, right? I mean, YouTube has oh, totally so, so much false information on it as well. And, you know, sure, go to Amazon to listen to music, but they've also had issues with, you know, I guess the grass is always greener, right? That's exactly it. When we look at this stuff, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to draw the easy comparison to, to exactly that. Amazon Music to Google uh, and YouTube. It's a comparison that's made because it happens almost every single time. If it didn't, that'd be great, but that's precisely where it goes every single time. So I think we can pretty easily see where this is where this is headed when it comes to Spotify. Again, I, I hope that that's not the case, but they're throwing around so much money and they're buying every part of the process that it's impossible to see them do anything but this at this point. So who knows? If you're a podcaster, you know, an independent podcaster, that's its own separate thing. Uh, for the industry as a whole, be afraid. Uh, in talking with Brian Barletta, one of the points that he made is if you're a network, try to get everybody onto the same host, unify them all in one spot. So that way you have the same data set across your network, uh, rather than trying to to deal with anchor stats versus megaphone versus uh, captivate versus whatever, where you're trying to figure out what's going on, unless everyone becomes IAB certified. And, you know, at this point, I think we can pretty confidently say that's not going to happen. Certainly, Anchor doesn't seem to have too much of a uh, desire to do it. So, advertisers going to love it. They're going to be thrilled. They're going to be able to get more actionable results. It's precisely what they want. For creators, for networks, your life's going to get harder. That's what's going to happen. For independents, and I think those are the bulk of people that are listening to the show, boy, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> so, so, John, what do you think it means for the average independent podcast, so the person who's, you know, I, I've got 1,500 downloads an episode, I'm just trying to make my way through things, and I feel like I should be concerned about this, but should I be concerned about this? Does it actually matter to me that Spotify's buying up all these companies? Yes and no. Yes, for everything that we've already been through with the walled garden and all that stuff, yes, it's going to make it harder, but at the same time, it makes it easier, too, because you have access to attribution and customer journey analytics. And that's really the key to increasing marketing performance on all your channels, right? Yeah. For those that don't have access to Chartable and Pod sites, now you might have access to them. For us, if we're setting up an ad buy for a client, it's going to make it easier to have access to that because now we're going to be able to specifically target the audience the show needs, right? Or be able to specifically target podcasts rather than the whole Spotify platform. I'd say it's a good thing, but also I could see it's that famous double-edged it, it sword. It is, man. That's, I was just <laughs> going to say that, man. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think on one hand, it makes advertising easier. It's going to make your marketing a little bit easier in some ways. Unfortunately, that also means that you're going to be tied more to a service. Independent creators have been dealing with this for a long time. Again, YouTube is a great example. Go on YouTube and just search for YouTube creators difficulty or something along those lines. And you will undoubtedly get a ton of different creators that all talk about, oh, well, the algorithm changed. Now I can't do this. Or, oh, you can't you can't uh, cuss in the first 30 seconds of it. Uh, you've got to do this. We can't mention this. We can't say this. I've seen creators that were doing like uh, uh, deep dives into, into wars be completely demonetized, which means 
they can't make any money. So there's no point in them doing it anymore. So you've effectively taken out that information. Spotify has not necessarily done that yet at this point, but it's not hard to see that if they get pressure on something, they're going to go, okay, well then cool. Advertisers don't want to, don't want to deal with war. Well, then anything that has war in it is going to be immediately demonetized on our platform. And if no other platform is out there, well then congratulations. You can't talk about war as a podcast. War podcasts are officially out if you plan on making any money. That's scary. There goes your free speech, right? Did you see Joe Rogan disappeared on Spotify two days over the last week? (laughs) No, I did not. Regardless of how you view Joe Rogan in this situation, and I know there, there are a lot of people against him. There are a lot of people for him. There are a lot of people that just don't care. But it's the same thing where it's not necessarily limiting your free speech. You can absolutely talk about whatever you want to talk about. And Spotify has been very clear about, you know, we're not going to, we're not content moderators beyond blah, blah, blah. But the second you can't make money on it, they are very much oh, content yeah. moderators. Very Again, much. YouTube, same thing. Yep. A gun show can't be monetized. Well, then I guess there aren't gun shows unless you're doing it for free or unless you've got another way to monetize. And I'm a big fan of in this industry, I, I want everyone to create everything, do what, do whatever you want to do, create more great content. But in order to do that, there has to be a light at the end of the tunnel. That light at the end of the tunnel is making a few bucks, at least breaking even on a two, $300 microphone, on a $100 audio interface, on hosting, on advertising, on all these things, a service like Queued Up for that matter. You know, would we be where we are if you couldn't? monetize certain content? Maybe not. Maybe not. It might be pushing out companies like us for that matter. It might be pushing out podcasters like you yourself out there. That's scary, man. That's scary. We should be concerned about that. Even if they promise to be altruistic, even if they promise to not be evil, I think it's crystal clear whenever you look at a tech company, that promise goes away once they hit a certain valuation. Yes. Google went away. Amazon went away. Now, all of a sudden, we're thinking of these companies as evil conglomerates that are shaping the way we think, shaping the Mm -hmm. way we feel. That is alarming. And yeah, until somebody creates another platform that's going to do with it, or until a YouTube comes up and says, hey, we're going to compete. And then if a Spotify says, hey, gun podcasts are out, we're not going to monetize them. Then YouTube can go, well, gun podcasts are in over here. We're going to monetize. Once you get that competition, all of a sudden, then you've got free market. But until that happens, you're stuck with what Spotify wants to do. And we talked about it earlier on. Apple does not seem to care anymore. They're, they're throwing their hands up and just going, look, man, we're, we're just a podcast app. Please buy Apple TV. Please buy our phones and computers. We don't care about advertising dollars. That's not where we're at, man. We're, we're a quadrillion dollar company because we sell iPhones. The last thing we need to get into is piddly little ad sales on podcasts. It seems like that's the case. Again, Amazon Music, same thing. Should be scary for the independent podcaster. Matt, can it all be so simple as just ignoring it? No, I don't really care for Joe Rogan's content, and I don't really agree with what he puts out, but it doesn't affect me. I can make my own informed decisions. And I think that's a conversation we're currently having with content the way that it is, the way that it's delivered. Everything's an opinion now, for good and for bad. Facts are no longer facts. There's no Encyclopedia Britannicus. Exactly. So, so while, yes, ignoring it, certainly I have not followed Joe Rogan outside of moves and basic information that I need to know because I'm just not a Joe Rogan fan personally. It's just not my vibe. Like him on Fear Factor, liked him in, uh, in uh, news radio. I'll rock that out all day I forgot long. about Fear Factor. <laughs> um, you know, I like UFC. It's, it's, I'm down with it. I watch it, so. UFC, yeah. But not a Joe Rogan guy personally. And that's okay. 
the problem being is that, sure, you can ignore it if there's no demonetization, if there is no trimming of the fat, as it were. And unfortunately, we as people don't get to trim that fat anymore. Again, I'm going to look at YouTube for this. We don't get to say, well, I want to watch something about guns, and I'm, I'm okay with ads being on it. The advertisers dictate whether or not you're going to get paid, uh, or the platform decides whether you're going to get paid. And, and because they're an organization who have boardrooms, who have stock that needs to be maintained, all of a sudden, the advertisers, again, dictate what's, what's going to happen. If Ford says, hey, we don't want any COVID information, we're going to see that stuff disappear just naturally because there's no, there's no good way to monetize it. And we've seen platforms like Patreon pop up specifically because of that reason. But even they have started to call the herd, as it were, to a certain degree. And again, good, bad, and different, that's an issue. I think it's also a discussion that needs to be had on what we allow as a society. I mean, free speech, great and all. I, I, I'm all for it. Certainly, we're, we're having this podcast because we have free speech. But do we allow fascists to have free speech? Do we allow them to question things like the Holocaust? Do we allow them to question verifiable science? Do we allow them to pull a bunch of people and then make them angry and turn them into insurrectionists? I mean, those are very real conversations we need to have right now that we're not having because we're ignoring it as a society because it doesn't feel good to have that conversation. And unfortunately, we're seeing radicalization happen. We're seeing niches happen that aren't, I'm into Star Wars, or I'm into robots, or I'm into history. We're seeing it on, I think only white people deserve to live. And we're seeing, I only like this brand of politics. The rest of them can all die. And they mean that. That radicalization is a little concerning when there isn't some monitoring of it, when there isn't something there. And as long as advertisers say, yeah, I don't get, that's fine. You can absolutely go ahead and talk about that because your folks buy our products like nobody else. We're getting a better return on our investment by advertising on that podcast or advertising on that news channel than we are anywhere else. So sure, we don't care. Uh, Unilever doesn't care that, that these things are happening because at the end of the day, again, all they care about is, does the stock price go up? Or are we making more money? So if I spend a dollar, how much money do I make back on that dollar? That's really all they care about until we as a society step up and go, whoa, hold up, hold up, Johnson & Johnson. I don't want to buy your shampoo if you're going to be like advertising on Hitler podcasts. That's not my vibe. I don't want shampoo that denies the Holocaust. Through these deals, or is, is it going to be a choice of like, I want Unilever or I want Johnson & Johnson on this podcast or I don't want them on this podcast. Give me, give me something else. Give me someone that likes babies. and. There's a certain amount of that, but, but I mean, we, we see it all the time right now, which is... What Reply All had that issue where they were talking about the, the pulling out of, of Afghanistan. And then right immediately afterwards, like mid-roll ad of like U.S. Army. Well, that's the last thing either one of those two things wanted. The U.S. Army did not want to go ahead and advertise on a podcast that's actively, maybe not bashing them, but certainly isn't looking at them in a kind light. And then Reply All does not want to have their audience like, you know, uh, maybe a more liberal audience then go like, join the military. It's the polar opposite. So until that stuff gets ironed out, until we start to see better tracking in that regard, we're going to have to deal with it. You know, it's, it's already going to happen. So what ends up happening, and again, we see this on YouTube, is, hey, since I can't that finely detail this stuff, and it doesn't look like pod sites or Chartable really allows you to get that ingrained either, because it can't do content aggregation in that way, but we don't want to advertise on this. The Chartable and pod sites acquisitions aren't going to improve that 
at all. The way I see it is which one's easier to do? Is it easier to tell YouTube or Spotify, hey, any content that has the word gun in it, demonetize it? Or is it easier for YouTube and Spotify to build a thing that then goes through every hour of audio, every minute of audio, writes all that stuff down, then puts it into context, then allows the advertiser to be able to monitor that context and see how it works? Which one's easier for them to do? <laughs> right. Well, it's going to be, oh, well, guns are out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There isn't a thing where the user or, for instance, like like when you're setting up something, for you to go on and say, take out this, 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 and this, and then I guess that's what you're saying. It's, it would be a lot harder to come up with that kind of platform to let the user decide. Well, that, yeah. It, either the user, the, the creator has to then be, has to put all the information in which is easy enough to game. You know, if, if I have a gun podcast and we're not monetizing guns, well, then congratulations. I'm not going to say the word gun in there all of a sudden. Uh, boy, we're going to get demonetized. If history uh, or, or war or something like that, then all of a sudden I'm just not going to use those words or I'm not going to put that hashtag in there. Or I'm going to worry about how I do the title. Cussing is a big one right now where you're seeing content that does have expletives in it suddenly go, okay, well, the algorithm says in the first minute, so we're not going to say, we're not going to drop an F-bomb until 101. We're just going to edit that out. It doesn't mean that doesn't exist in there. So in turn, you can have, and again, we've YouTube is the prime example for this. I just look at YouTube. A bunch of kids shows suddenly had like some really awful ads, some really questionable content because the creators were able to get away with it. They're, they're spamming out that content. They've matched the algorithm in there and they're gaming the system in order to still get that money while putting out the content they want to put out. That doesn't change, so it's really up to the platform to do a better job of moderation. And when you're dealing with, I mean, John, you and I talked about this shortly before we started, what millions of hours of audio, millions of hours, YouTube, I think, I don't know the exact number, but something like the effect of like millions of hours of video content is uploaded like every minute on YouTube. There is no conceivable way for human beings to do that. And we've seen the content moderation lackluster in there. We've seen their demonetization issues, copyright claims have been a big issue on YouTube. We've seen all of these things. And I think solely because advertisers are the ones that are doing it. They have to placate to the advertisers. They have to placate to the music companies that are going, hey, you have our song in this this video. We want it taken out. Despite it being fair use, YouTube's going to go, yeah, we'll kill all of it and then we'll deal with it afterwards. The creators are least of our issues because they can't go anywhere else. What are they going to do? They, they're going to host on Vimeo? No, they're not. There's nothing to do. There's nothing you can do about it as a creator other than to bite the bullet, as it were, and just work around it. Or again, create your own thing that you can bring your users into, which is easier said than done. And we talk about it all the time when it comes to marketing. It's not that easy to drag someone from social media over to your podcast. It is not going to be easy to drag someone off of their preferred platform to your specific platform, which now they need to pay money to go visit. We're not, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to have 17 streaming services that are all cost me $9.99 a month. All of a sudden, I'm paying for cable again, and I'm getting less. So it's a conversation that needs to be had overall from a content creation standpoint, from a podcast standpoint, from a, a just audio and visual mediums as a whole. We need to come up with something about this, and I don't think we've come up with a good answer yet. Despite all the talk about podcasting 2.0, despite about all the talks about RSS feeds and how we, we need to stay with RSS feeds, it doesn't change the notion that 
in order to be monetized, which is what everyone wants. Let's be real about that. In order to be monetized, you have to deal with these platforms. If there's a consolidation of platforms or just there aren't as many platforms out there doing it, then all of a sudden what one platform wants to do dictates what the industry as a whole does. And thus far, Spotify is now dictating what the industry does. That's terrifying. It should be terrifying. Even if it helps you right this minute, look two years down the line and you'll see YouTube, again, as a prime example, so many giant creators don't exist at all now. People that were earning tens of millions of views on each video now don't have a video. They don't exist anymore on that platform. They don't exist as a creator anymore because YouTube changed an algorithm. That sucks. So Matt, with uh, going through the industry and the independent, where are we going for the future with uh, attribution companies? It seems like there needs to be someone to step up and fill the void of charitable pod sites going to a first party solution, right? We've done a little bit of research on this. What have you found on alternatives to these platforms? Well, John, I wish I could give you better news. There's not a lot out there. There really isn't. I mean, Chartable was kind of the gold standard for especially independent podcasters. Pod sites seem to be that for for networks and for large advertisers. Outside of that, you're looking at like PodTrack and Backtracks. PodTrack seems to be the the best one out there right now. Personally, I haven't used either. So I can't tell you how great they are or how bad they are. That's kind of the concern right now is that these other companies now need to to step up and go, we need to be a bigger part of this. We're independent. That matters. And, and here's here's the benefits you get from doing this. Now, both of them are IAB certified or IAB compliant. Those are kind of your two big ones right now. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to what Brian Barletta said, which is if you're a network where if you have uh, multiple shows, get them all on the same host and then just compare your stats to what your stats are. It's not great. It's not necessarily the best option per se, in my personal opinion. If you're trying to measure your success against someone else, though, I'm not a big fan of measuring your success against someone else. No, you should be doing it on yourself. Comparing your show to your show. But when it comes to like, hey, I need to, I need to make money. I need to advertise. I need some level of, of IAB certified stats. So I think future-wise, it's going to be more reliant on the host. You're going to see more companies like Captivate go, hey, we're IAB certified. You can go to an advertiser and say, this is this. This is what we've got. But then I also think you're going to see more hosting companies get bought up by advertising companies. It sucks to say our world is completely driven by advertising, but it is, which is why you're seeing, I mean, Global acquired Captivate. Now, we talked to Mark Asquith, the CEO and founder of Captivate, and he said, look, we're just kind of bringing them in. They're bringing us in. We're working together. But I think the same thing applies even there, which is you have to trust the people in charge that they're not completely selling out, that they're not going to give in to the whims of an advertiser solely because the dollar is there. Again, when you look at other tech companies, that's very rarely going to be the case. They're, they're very rarely going to stay truly independent. The dollars are going to dictate what they're going to do just because they have to. So I'd like to see more third-party options out there. I'd like to see more things like that come up. I'd like to see more hosts decide to stay independent. I'd like to see advertising as a whole maybe become less what we see in the internet, which is I can track everywhere you go and everything you do. I know who your kids' kids are. Um, they're not even born yet, but I know their names. Like I'd like to see less of that and more of a, we generally speaking know what's going on, and that's really all we need to know. It's going to be like one of those uh, underground hip-hop 
culture things, right? Where I'm in the underground. I'm not above ground. I'm not doing the pop scene. Yes. And to be clear, I, this was always going to happen in podcasting. You, you have, quite, again, a billion-dollar industry that is exploding in growth. Once the money came in, it was going to go to the big dogs first, and it was going to trickle down. We're still waiting for the trickle down, unfortunately. Hopefully, over time, we'll see that happen where you know independent podcasters who maybe don't have a million downloads an episode can start to make a few bucks, but we're not quite there yet. And in the meantime, we're seeing that walled garden become tighter and tighter and tighter. And there's fewer and fewer and fewer third-party options. There's fewer and fewer independents out there. There are fewer and fewer doing that stuff. So naturally, John, I think you're right. The independence, the the underground is going to become exactly what that was in hip hop and in, in rock for that matter. Punk. Exactly. We're going to see more of that stuff start to happen. And unfortunately, as we saw in music, those people tend to then eventually get bought out too. It's hard to stay independent and live. <laughs> Unless, again, unless you can create your own thing. And man, I already got like seven streaming services, guys. I, I, can't, I can't afford to pay 10 bucks to every content creator I want to pay attention to. I just, nobody has that money. So networks are going to become bigger as they start to do that. And maybe we'll see a networks pop up where instead of 10,000 downloads an episode being the minimum, we'll see 1,000 downloads an episode become the minimum. And they'll just grow a larger network that then in turn can do more advertising. But that comes with its own headaches. So, what the future brings, I think, is sadly less inclusive, less independent, less interesting, uh, more amalgamized, more boiled down to what makes money. And that means if true crime is it, and we kind of already see this to a certain degree, if true crime is where the big bucks are going, then everybody's going to have everybody's a true crime podcast. True crime, right? Everyone's going to, you know, there's going to be 17 law and orders out there for podcasts. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Celebrities talking to other celebrities. There's going to be a bigger divide between those types of podcasts and the good podcasts. If you're an independent person out there, if you if you have one podcast or maybe two podcasts and you're just doing your thing, I think you can still use Chartable. Just recognize that the data is going to be skewed in Spotify's favor. Recognize that you're going to have to play to what Spotify says you're going to play to, their algorithms, their decisions. And then think about building your own community, your own ways of getting your users into other things. So merchandise and instead of ad dollars focus on focus on that stuff again look at your independent youtube creators rooster teeth again i think being a good example despite being now owned by warner brothers i think is a good example of what can be done and they go heavy into merch they go heavy into exclusive ad deals that they get to choose rather than dealing with dynamic ads rather than dealing with you know, your Fords and stuff like that trying to advertise on there. So look toward that stuff. Or go find a hosting platform that offers the same thing, offers the IAB compliance stats and can track, like Captivate. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's precisely if it. If you want to stay out of bed with Spotify, there's plenty of good hosting companies out there that you, know, you can do pretty similar stuff with. Own your content and own your information. That's the best you can do at this point if you're an independent podcaster. And that's what gives you power, is owning your content and owning your user information, basically, your, your listener information. Your privacy. That's what everyone wants. Keep the privacy. Exactly. Keep the privacy. Keep the privacy and then make them love you. If you do that, you'll be in a better spot in the next five years than the people who are dedicating everything to what Spotify tells them they should dedicate to. 
over the next few years, we'll start to see that more and more and more. We'll see Spotify go, hey, we're changing an algorithm. We're changing what shows up in our apps based on that stuff. Maybe try to get yourself on places like Good Pods and, and third-party apps in that regard, too. You know, that platform agnosticism is, is very much alive in that way, and it should be. That being said is, uh, we don't know how much longer that's truly going to be the case before it's 90% owned by Spotify, 10% everyone else, and you're hoping that you can, you can get a little audience everywhere else. So just think about the future with this in mind, and that's all you really can do, in my opinion. Now, that being said, if you're a brand, you're still in a great spot because you don't care about monetization in that way. So I think we're going to see a lot more brand podcasts. And we here at Queued Up have been big fans of, despite maybe content being branded, being independent. Let's tell a story. Let's tell that. And then let's use the brand to maybe emphasize certain things or, or do that type of stuff as a way to still create that great content but not have to worry about what a platform like Spotify or, or, or Apple or anybody else is telling us we have to worry about. Uh, I think that's the way to go. If you're a brand, if you're an independent, just keep rocking what you're doing. I think that's about it, guys. John, thanks for joining me on this episode of Podcast Industry Experts. I think this was a really good look at not just what Spotify has done recently, uh, not just their acquisition of Chartable and pod sites, but more importantly, about podcasting content creation as a whole and something that uh, I hope a lot of people take a firmer look at and maybe fight back a little bit against over the next few years as we start to see content again go go the way of what advertisers tell us we can do that's all for this month's podcast news and opinions if you like what you heard or found it valuable please subscribe to our podcast and leave reviews wherever you get your podcast set also, make sure to check out our other shows, the Cued Up Podcast on Podcast, where I teach you how to make better podcast content, sound better on the mic, and grow your podcast audience. We also have Cover to Cover, our podcast all about audiobooks. From writing to marketing, host Isabel Monjo helps independent authors turn their traditional books into top-selling audiobooks. And as always, check us out on Twitter at QDUP Audio. And go to our blog at mypodcastagency.com for even more great podcast advice and opinions.